All right. Well, that, joy, that song was exciting. That'll get you going, that's for sure. But uh, we're, we're glad that uh, we get to recognize our dads today. And uh, so did it last service. We're going to do it again this service. Are there, if you are a dad today, would you please stand up? And I know dads love recognition, so we're going to ask the dads. All, all dads, come on, stand up. All right, give them a big hand. All right, dads, on your way out, and this is for all men, but on your way out uh, through the front door is a bottle of dad's root beer for you. So you can take that home and enjoy that today. So happy Father's Day to you, dads. Thank you. You can be seated. And uh, we're, we're just uh, counting a joy to have you here today for uh, those who may be guests in our church. Um, Slim, that hum is back again. Um, for those of you who are guests in our church, um, my name is Chris Cox, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, Pastor Rands is gone today, and so just excited that he can spend some time with his family. And we're, we're glad that you're here uh, with our family, and we're excited to have you all here. And I know we have a baptism today, so right at the end of this service, we've got a baptism, so we're excited about that. And it's just a good day to be in church. And uh, there's nothing... There, moms are great. I love my mom. I love my mom. But there's something about dads. I mean, I'm not, not slighting moms at all, and I don't want you to take it that way. But dads, there's just something about dads. You know, dads are the ones that are like, hey, we're going to do this, but don't tell mom. <laughs> Rarely is there a mom like, hey, unless it has to do with shopping or something along that line, it's, you know, hey, we're going to do this, don't tell dad. But there's, the, there's a lot of dads that are the, hey, don't tell mom. And uh, then what does the kid do when they get home? They tell mom. And then dad's like, all right, we're never doing that again. Uh, but there's, there's just something about a dad and uh, the excitement and the joy that dads bring. And I know that uh, when kids are little, boy, they want mom. They need mom. And uh, because they know that dad is not going to help them. Uh, dad's going to say, figure it out yourself. Dad's going to say, you know, I'm hurt. Does it hurt when I do that? Okay, well, then don't do that. Uh, you know, dads, dads are very practical, and uh, moms are caring and nurturing. And so, uh, but today is a day, a day to recognize dads, and uh, we are excited about that. A few weeks ago, um, we, I was able to go with the seniors from our school uh, on a senior trip. And uh, that senior trip was to West Virginia. Uh, any, anybody here from West Virginia? Okay, do not take this personal. Um, but there, there are simply things that go on in West Virginia that cannot happen in any other state of the union. Like the government would shut you down, but as soon as you say, like if you told a story, like this is what we did, as soon as you say it was in West Virginia, everybody's like, oh, cool. But if you're like, hey, I was in Florida and we did this, they'd be like, that can't happen. But West Virginia is like that it's okay thing. And so we were in West Virginia, so this is okay. And, um, and so we went with the, we went with the seniors and uh, stopped in West Virginia. And uh, one of the things we did is we went to one of the first places we saw, like, hey, let's go back there, was a waterfall. And this waterfall was huge. It was beautiful. It was just one of those places where you, it was a bend in the road, but it had a sign. And so anytime there's a bend in the road, you can't really see it well, and there's a sign, 
always make sure you go back because it's probably something really cool, especially if it's in West Virginia. And so we went back to this sign and there's this beautiful waterfall. It was really, really neat. And uh, as, as I was looking uh, at the waterfall, I noticed that there was like a ledge up a little higher. And now we had been near the water and in, in that type of environment, uh, when that water, that mist is spraying, it creates this slime uh, fitting for our vacation Bible school all over the rocks and things there. So it's a little bit slippery. And so I, I wanted to see what was up there. And so I found a trail that went through the woods up there and, and uh, stood up real high and waited for somebody down below to see me. And, and uh, eventually the kids were pointing up at me and they started making their way up. And as a, as I, I feel pretty brave here because I'm standing at the edge of this two and a half foot ledge. Um, but there you are probably 40, 50 feet in the air. And so I'm doing what normal people do, standing back. 10, 12 feet from the edge, you know, looking down at people waving and then they're coming up. But what do our kids do? They're like dangling one leg over, seeing, if, seeing how dangerous that they can be. And we as chaperones are looking at them going, oh boy, we're going to have to make a phone call to a parent that their kid died falling down this waterfall. And it was not something, like we were just like, okay, we'll take a picture, get down, get back, stay away. We're telling them to, to do all this. And then we went on another hiking trail, and it was up in the mountains, and um, we didn't know where to go, but Mrs. Patterson found this place, and so she recommended it to us. And so we followed just her recommendation up this trail. Normally, as a responsible adult, I wouldn't have taken them up there, but Mrs. Patterson recommended it, so we did. <laughs> and we get up on this trail, and there literally, it, it was one of those where there was this rock ledge, that went out and the, the rock went out over nothing. So you go, you go on the ledge and it's over nothing. And the kids, they're like, you know, if, if it was me going to have to look over it, I'd be on my belly, crawling to the edge, peeking over, pushing my way back. I didn't even do that. I wasn't not going out there. But what do our kids do? Take a selfie. Take a selfie. Thank you very much. They're, they're standing out there legs dangling off the edge of it and I just have this you know that feeling in your stomach when danger is going on like this is not good like we should have ropes around these kids something so when they fall we could pull them back but that wasn't the worst part about this trip the worst part was when we went whitewater rafting now how many of you have ever been whitewater rafting okay so a number of you have and if you have not been whitewater rafting I, I recommend you go it was a great time. We really enjoyed it. It was a wonderful time. Go whitewater rafting. Don't go with the group we went with. <laughs> like, Mr. Patterson and I were standing, sitting in the back of this bus, and about a half hour in, I looked at him. I said, what have we done? We went to West Virginia. We met some West Virginianers. They told us to please... If you don't want to lose your cell phone, if you don't want to lose your wallet or money, please leave that here in your vehicles. They gave us our helmet, they gave us our life vest, they gave us our paddle. They stuck us on a bus. We went into, if you've been to West Virginia, we went out to middle of nowhere in West Virginia. We were up and down mountains. I don't know how they found this place, but we're just going up and down. About half an hour into it, I look at Daryl and I said, I have watched too many CSI or Criminal Minds TV shows. Because we just gave 
up all communication. <laughs> we gave up our IDs. And we got in a rickety old bus with four guys from West Virginia <laughs> that said they're taking us whitewater rafting and there's no water to be seen anywhere. <laughs> this is just a game. They're, we're dead. Like, they're going to let us go. They've given us three minutes, and they're going to come after us. And he looked at me, and he said, you're an idiot. That, that, that ain't going to happen. But in my mind, I'm like, that, that father kicked in like, we don't know these guys. We didn't get any. And, and the person who arranged the trip for us, Mrs. Patterson, did not go. She just sent us. And so now I'm, I'm thinking, we are in trouble. Like, we're in trouble. Eventually, we saw the river and we got there. And we unloaded our rafts and we got into the, into the water. And our guide took us out just a little bit. There's some, some uh, river area that was just nice and calm. And so he took us out there and tried to show us how to row and different things like that. And it was me and five of our seniors, and uh, four, four guys, one girl. So I was sitting in the back with the girl. He said, we need the weakest people in the back. So I go in the back. And uh, so I'm sitting in the back with this young lady. And uh, he, he, after about two minutes out on the river, he looks at us and says, you guys are the worst people that I've ever had on this river. We're going to die. <laughs> like, this is a three-hour thing three-hour tour, that we're going to die? This is not a good way to start. And so we get going down the river, and, I mean, he's just yelling at us, and, I mean, all sorts of things, and I feel like I'm in the military, like I've just joined the Coast Guard or something, and he's, he's, he's got us going, and we come down to the end, almost the end of our time on the, on the river, and he says, all right, he said, you guys have gotten better. He said, normally I wouldn't ask my teams if they want to do this, but I'm going to ask you if you want to do this. There is a place that has a drop-off of about 10 feet, and it goes into a, a thing, and he said it's a Category 5 or a Number 5 rapids, and uh, he said, it's called Devil's Hole. Who's in? Well, the two guys that are sitting at the front of our raft, Will and Travis, are like, yes, let's go. I'm like, I need a little more information about this devil's hole thing. He said, well, there's a big rock at the end of it. He said, if you fall out and you get caught under the, the rapids, and you get, that will drag you down to the bottom. It'll take about three days to get your body out, and then you will have a closed casket. He's saying this on senior trip to our seniors. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. Two guys in the front, Will and Travis. Yes, we're in. I am now looking at this little young lady going, please say no, please say no, because I don't want to be the one that doesn't allow our team to do that. And she looks at me like, step up, bud, say no. And I'm like, I don't know. You... He said, well, the guy would be like, all right, no, we didn't have a unanimous vote, we're not doing it. I'm thinking, oh, thank God we're not doing this. And, she, and she's like, oh, I wish we would have. I'm like, oh, I'm... And I thought to myself, when did I become not so adventurous? Like there's, there's something that happens in life that as a guy, you, you think that you're going to take on the world and then all of a sudden, you don't know where it happens. 
It's not like a moment in time, but all of a sudden, we start playing it safe. Like, we want to be safe. We want to, we want to make sure everybody's safe. We want to make sure the family's safe. We want to make sure that that's a safe move. We, want to, we don't want to jump out into anything because that might not be safe. We want to, we were, at the end of the last service, a guy was telling me about a zip line that his dad put up. And if you've ever been ziplining, you get into your harness and you have a, you know, safety things and all this like that. And his, his, this was years ago. His dad did not have safety things. He had a rope that you, from that end, you drag it back up and he hooked it onto his windmill about 25 feet in the air and it had a T-bar that you hold on to. Well, if you know after holding on to something for a long time with your weight dragging you down, your fingers start to slip. And he said one time he got on it and he forgot that he had tied the rope that you pull it back with to the windmill. So he got about 20 feet out. He's about 20 feet in the air. His feet went forward, his hands let go, and flat on his back to the ground. But he got back up and went and did it again. Some point in our lives, we quit being dangerous and we start being safe. And I want you to look at a couple of passages this morning with me. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, you can put your finger there and then turn over to Luke chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and then Luke chapter 15. And we're going to talk today about dads and being valiant, being dangerous dads. And I'm not talking about doing crazy, ridiculous things. I'm talking about doing things that step out. Some things people may look at and go, wow, that, wow you did that with your kids? Wow, you went there? You, you had that thing happen? You, you jumped off of what? And it ought to be that dads, and I understand that as, as we get older, there's things that we just, our bodies just do not want to do anymore. But it's okay to take your kids and go, hey, I know I, I don't ride roller coasters anymore but I want you to, let's go. Not, you know what, I don't ride roller coasters, so we're not doing that anymore. I don't, I can't climb the mountains, so we're not going to go climbing mountains anymore. It ought to be that we have dads that are valiant and dads that are trying to get their kids out there and teaching their kids how to live a dangerous life. In 2 Samuel chapter number 23, we have the story of David and his mighty men. Now, David was a valiant man, and there's no doubt about it. He was a warrior. He was a king. He was a man that you would follow, and God said, that's a man after my own heart. But David had men that surrounded him, and it was not just any man that volunteered. It was men that were valiant and dangerous themselves. And if you look through this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 23, you begin seeing the names of these men and the things that they did, killing 800 men by himself. One guy, uh, the, the whole Israel army ran from him. The, uh, all of the mighty men and everybody ran from him. And this guy stood in the middle of a pea patch, a lentil patch, and fought off the entire Philistine army by himself. If we're in a situation where we see, we see everybody running, we take off running too. We don't stand around to see what's going on. We just go running. Why? I don't know. Everybody's running. This guy didn't. He stood and he stayed. And he fought. But there's a young man in here in verse number 20. I want you to see it. His name is Benaiah. In verse number 20, it says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man. Now, Je Jehoiada, Benaiah's dad, is called in the scriptures a valiant man. Wouldn't you like to be called a valiant man? 
a brave man, one that would run out there. I think of our, I uh, just looked at Larry, you think of our firemen and our, our paramedics and the people that run into danger, our police officers, they run into danger. When everybody's running the other way, they're running into it. And you think, man, that's a, that's a brave person. And we want to be called that. And as dads, we ought to be called to being valiant, called to being brave. And here's a dad that was a valiant dad that taught his son to be a valiant son. The only way we're going to get valiant sons is if we have valiant dads. The only way we're going to have valiant daughters is if we have valiant dads that are charging and leading the way. And so we need dads today that will focus on a couple of things. I'm going to give you five things. Don't time them. Be like, okay, that one was five minutes, so the whole service is going to be 25 minutes. I'm going to fool you on the first one. It's short. So don't time them. The first thing is that we need dads who will be an adventurer. Dads who will be an adventurer. Now, I I find myself falling into this often. I tell my kid, I tell, it happened this last week. Ben was helping me here at church, and we had all of these PVC pipes that we were moving. And we took them from one place to another. We laid them down on the ground, and he and I took handfuls of them at a time, and he grabbed all of them at one time, and the words that came out of my mouth were, you can't do that. And you know what he said, and I'm glad he did? Watch me. Now, maybe just because I told him he couldn't do it is why he wanted to do it, but maybe he, he knew something I didn't, that he could do that. And you know what? He did. And I stood back and I'm like, I was wrong. You could do that. He fought with them and he, he, I don't know how he did it, but there was a lot of determination. And what happens is that if we as dads are not adventurous in telling our kids you can, and we're always cautious saying you can't, be careful, don't do, don't get up there, stand back from the ledge. No, we don't want our kids to fall off the ledge but I want my kid to be close. My kid was, lay, was sitting with her legs over the edge of the cliff, and I'm standing back here going, oh, Lord, how am I going to tell this to my wife? We need dads that are adventurous, dads that lead their kids. And do you want to see what happens when you have a valiant dad? Look at verse number 20 uh, and just past where we read. And, this, and Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man, of Kebzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men. Hey, Dad, guess what I did today? What? Got a new pair of shoes. What? Hey, Dad, guess what I did today? I just killed two lion-like men. High five. Way to go. Now, we wouldn't say that today. We wouldn't do that high five today if he did that. But Benaiah came home, and he's like, Dad, you won't believe this. These guys were like monsters. I mean, they were huge. They were lion-like. That doesn't mean they were tame men. They were lion-like men. He said, Dad, I took them. Just like you taught me. Just like you showed me. Just like you said I could do. I did it, Dad. But that wasn't it. He also went down and slew a lion. And we could stop there. That's just good on your resume right there if you slay a lion. Slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. So not only was that bad, okay, Benaiah, we want you to go kill a lion. I don't want to do that. But it's okay, he's in a pit. 
I have to get in the pit with him? Yeah, you have to get in the pit. But it's snowy, so it should be fine. He didn't have on, on cleats. He had on sandals, or he was barefoot. And he gets down, and what happened is, the, the story is that this lion, they believe, came into the village area and had fallen into a cistern. And so now all the water from the community was going to be corrupted if that lion didn't get out of there. And so Benaiah volunteered to get in a pit, in a cistern, with a lion when it's snowing. As a dad, if that was my son, I'd say, you're an idiot, but way to go. Let's see what happens. And he comes crawling out of there. Dad, guess what I did? Killed him. That's my boy right there. That's, that's my boy. But you know how we get boys that will go into pits and kill lions? You have to have valiant dads that will be adventurous. But that's not all he did. Look at verse 21. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had a name among the mighty men. Benaiah became a mighty man because he had a valiant dad that said, Son, that is a huge challenge, but you can do it. Not a dad that says, You can't do that. That's too much for you. No, you can do it. Go after it. Take that lion by the mane. See what you can do. If nothing else, nobody else jumped in. See what you can do. We need dads that will be adventurers. If you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at a couple more things in a story that is very familiar. But it starts with dads being adventurous and dads challenging their kids to do something great. Dads challenging their kids to be valiant. In Luke chapter 15, starting in verse number 11, is a story that is a parable that Jesus is telling. And we've all heard this story. It's about the prodigal son. And you know the story of the prodigal son and how, and how it happens. And how it, but we're going to look at a couple things from the dad's perspective. So starting in verse number 11, it says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all... There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I perish with hunger." So the story is that this young man, he goes to his dad, which usually happens after the father passes away, and asks for his inheritance. The inheritance was not passed on before the father died. And so imagine if your son came to you and goes, said, Dad, I know you're not dead, but I want my inheritance now. Most of us would look at our sons and go, no, you're not getting it. Your attitude the, what, what do you need it for anyway? I don't have anything. Want me, to, want me to sell the house? And it would be like your son saying, yeah, I want you to sell the house, sell the cars. I want, if there's three boys, I want a third of everything you got. 
I mean, could you imagine that happening? But that's what was happening in this, in this passage. And he said, Daddy said, I want everything. And the dad said, I'll give you what's yours. You ever do something with your kids and you know what the outcome is going to be? Like, that's not going to turn out well. And what is our temptation when they come back? See? I told you that's exactly how it would turn out. But what does this dad do? Let's look at a couple things this dad says. In verse number 18, this is the son saying, I will arise and go to my father. Dads, the second thing we need you to be is a defender. Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need dads who will defend their home. Dads who will watch. We live out in the country right now, and I am... I've never lived in the country in my life, but we live in the country. And uh, a couple of, a couple of, of uh, we, oh, weeks ago, um, my daughter, who's not in here right now, so I can tell this story, uh, we, she, she uh, about a year ago, got some chickens. And uh, we thought, since we're living in the country, let's have chickens. Don't ever get chickens. We had chickens. And so the chickens, during the winter, we never put them, we never caged them or anything. We just let them roam. We do have a cage for them, but we never put them in there. And so they just roam. During the winter time, we would come home with our vehicles, and in the morning, we would find them roosting on the windshield wipers. And I'm like, why are you on the windshield wipers? And then it hit me. The heat from the engine is warm, so they're just roosting where it's warm. So we have been battling, I have been battling these chickens for the last year. And we come home, they're on the car, I take them, and I gently set them someplace. And uh, they, and they wake up in the morning, they're back on the car. We've been fighting them. And when they're on my car, it really makes me upset. So I came home a couple of weeks ago and uh, saw two chickens sitting in my car. And I like, you are not doing this. So I took these chickens and I put them in the cage. We woke up the next morning and somebody had had dinner and I thought, did I just sentence them to death? What, what happened here? If they would have been out, would they have died? Or if, what, what, what would have happened? And I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a chicken person. So I, I don't know what, what is the right thing to do. Something got into the cage with them. We went outside yesterday. And at the back of our house, there's all this, it's usually rocks. But now there is sand everywhere on the back of our house. I'm like, what is going on? So I look, and there's a hole next to our house. And so I asked my wife, I said, any ideas? And she said, oh, yeah. She said, there was this furry thing about this long and about this big around that was running towards the house the other day. And she tapped on the window, and it stood up and looked at her and then kept running to the house. And we have a groundhog next to our house. And so I'm asking people, how, how do you get rid of groundhogs? I don't, I don't even know how to get rid of groundhogs. I'm not a country person. I don't know what to do. I'm living safe. I'm not sure. So rather than finding how to trap them, how to, how to get rid of them, how, what to do with them, I'm just like, I guess we feed him. I don't know. We just, <laughs> part of the family. I don't, I don't know. We need dads 
that will be adventurous and say, okay, let's do something. Let's, let's try to solve these problems. Let's, when a difficulty comes into your life, when something happens that you're not sure how to do with, what to do with, it's not to stand back and go, man, I, I just hope it all works out. It's let's address this thing. Let's figure out how to handle this. We need dads that will be adventurous and defenders rather than allowing whatever killed our chickens to be that close to our home, allowing groundhogs to build burrows next to your home. We do that spiritually. We do that within our families. Is Rather than dealing with problems, we just let them go. And what happens is that more groundhogs move in. More problems come rather than addressing the problem. And it's time for dads to start defending their family. This dad, as you'll see, he does not get up to his kid. When his kid comes home, our temptation is to say, I told you that's what exactly what was going to happen. That dad, that dad did not say that. That son knew he could go to dad. Your kids ought to know that whatever problem, whatever situation, they can come to you, dad. They can come to you. I've had to go to my parents and say, hey, we're transitioning houses. Can we move in for a little while? I know we have three kids and a lot of stuff now, but can we move in? And my dad's like, yeah, I suppose. Come on in. Hey, Dad, I remember how you taught me how to handle money? I didn't have enough this month. Could, we, could, could you help? Yeah, I, yeah, we can help. Knowing that you have somebody that is your defense, teaching you and training you, but is your defense and can help you, from bad mistakes that you make. Because we've all made bad mistakes, right? We've all done something that we wish we wouldn't have done. But isn't it nice knowing that you can go to dad and say, Dad, I messed up. And him say, I don't care. I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're back. We also see in the next Verse in verse number 19, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. In verse 20, and he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. We need dads not only who will be adventurers and defenders, we need dads who will be prayer warriors. I have to believe that this dad, when that son left, was brokenhearted and hurt, and he stood there every morning looking down the driveway, saying, God, would you allow him to come home today? God, wherever he is, wherever this path has taken him, would you protect him? Would you watch over him? Would you shepherd him? Would you be around him? But God, I'm begging, would you bring him back today? Why do I think that? Because in this morning, he was standing there looking, and he saw his son a far way off. He knew that walk. He knew that stature. He knew that silhouette. And what did he do when that silhouette came walking down and he wasn't there? He didn't wait for that son. We would have done that. We would have stood there and said, this is going to be interesting. I can't wait till he gets here. But that man took off down that road, grabbed his son by the neck and said, I am so glad that you're home. I'm so glad that you're home. That father prayed for that son. We need parents that will pray for their kids. We need dads that will pray a hedge around their children. The Bible says that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The world and the devil are trying to get our kids. They're trying to destroy our family unit. They're trying to just, an article came out this week 
they are changing the language in textbooks that there is no more male and female. A school system has allowed you to say that whatever your gender that has been assigned to you at birth, that's not the gender you were born with, the gender assigned to you at birth. And they're trying to change, the world is trying to change our thinking, and they're trying to change what the scriptures say, that God knows us and formed us in our mother's womb. We were male or female from the time of conception, and God says that there's man and woman. And the world is trying to change our thinking, and we need dads that will walk around watching and guarding their kids and protecting their families and watching over them. We need dads that will be prayer warriors. Verse number 21, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. We need dads that will be providers. Now this verse says that he's, he brought forth the best robe. Dad, are you doing your best for your family? That doesn't mean you have to measure up to somebody else. That just means that you have to be doing your best. Whatever your best is, are you doing your best for your kids? Are you giving your kids your best? I know how easy it is. You come home, you've worked all day, you, you want to sit down, you want to just give me a few minutes, and a few minutes turns into a few hours, and you just fail to invest in your kids every day. I got so convicted when I was getting ready for this today. So many times I don't come home and activate into my kid's life. I come home and just allow life to happen. We need dads that will come home, dads that will be with their kids and be engaged in their kids' lives and playing with their kids and having fun with their kids and teaching their kids and showing their kids how to live. We need dads that will provide wisdom and friendship and perspective on life and all these issues that our kids are looking for answers and looking for guidance and looking for direction from. We need dads that will step up and be that to their children. Verse 23, And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. We need dads who will be vision casters. Dads who will be vision casters. This son came home. If you remember from this story, he said, he said, I am no more worthy to be a son. I'm going to be a servant. And he said to his dad, Dad, I'm just going to be your servant. And this dad looked at him and said, Son, you are not a servant. You are better than that. You're not going to be somebody that's going to come back and see yourself as this. He said, I am raising you to the level that I see you. And so many times... We don't have dads that step in and say, I had a parent tell me one time. I'm like, so what do, you, what do you hope that your kids do? And this is what the parent told me. They're nothing more than a bagger at a, at a grocery store. I'm like, that's the dream that you have for your kid's life? No, I don't dream about them. That's all that they're able to do. And we need dads that challenge their kids to go out and do something great. You see talents, you see abilities, you see strengths in your sons and in your daughters. And dads, you have to be the one. You have to be the one to tell them what they can be. You can be great. You can be awesome. You can do that. 
we were at Cedar Point a couple of weeks ago with the teens, and I'm sitting at the entrance exit of a ride, and uh, it was just one that I don't ride, and I'm sitting there with my, my drink and just watching people. I love watching people. And right next to me was a little boy, probably seven, eight years of age. He had just gotten off the ride, and um, he had one of those refillable drinks that was about a third full. His dad was standing right in front of him. He picked up that drink, twisted off the lid, and dumped it right between him and his dad. Now, the boy was sitting on the ledge. The dad was standing, dumped it all over dad. The dad turned around, looked looked at the boy, grabbed him, and set him firmly in another spot. He said, what are you, an idiot? That boy gets older, does something dumb. And let me tell you, just so that you know and understand that when I, speaking as a, when I was a boy and my dad would say, what were you thinking when you did that? I can tell you what boys are thinking when they do dumb things. Nothing. There was nothing going on. There was no mental process. They didn't think through it. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't anticipate what was going to happen. Nothing. There was nothing going through their brains. They just did it. That boy gets older and he does something dumb and the dad says, why did you do that? Because I'm an idiot. Who told you you were an idiot? You did. You see, the littlest things have great power. There was a scientist by the name of uh, Edward Lorenz. And Edward Lorenz was a weather caster. And he would put into computers the numbers and he would predict the weather. And one night, he went home, and rather than the number he was supposed to put in was a point and then six numbers, he rounded it up to point and three numbers. And when he came back the next day and he looked at what had been predicted, it was so far off from what should have been predicted. And he said this is what is called the butterfly effect. Now, the... the Working out of this is not accurate, as in what the butterfly effect means. He said that the, dis, the, the difference between the three-digit number and the six-digit number in the sake of wind current was what a butterfly could produce when it flaps its wing. That was simply the difference, but the outcome was gravely different. And so in science, there's this thing called the butterfly effect, meaning that you can do a little bit of change here or be a little bit of off here, and the difference at the other end is a great difference. How many times in life do you run through something that somebody said to you, something somebody did to you, something that you wish you would have done that may have made a great difference in outcome? Dads, this morning, the challenge is this, to be an adventurer with your kids, to be a defender, to be a prayer warrior, to be a provider, and to be a vision caster. 2014, my daughter made me this. It's a little little plaque. And it says, my father didn't tell me how to live. 
He lived, and let me watch him do it. Dad, your kids are looking at you. They need you to live, not just exist. And so many times we go through the day just existing and not living. We need dads that will have some of those days where at the end of the day you go, man, that was fun. That is really living. Dads, will you rise to the challenge today and live? Don't curse the darkness that this world is pushing. Begin lighting candles in your kids and see what God can do through them. Let's pray. Father.